All right, man. We have a question from a friend of yours. Yes, my buddy Austin, who is a uh, canine officer here in Nashville, had texted me a hypothetical that I think is going to be a little bit of fun to explore. I've gotten this one from several people before. It's it's fun to go down this road, so let's take it for a spin. Yeah. So this is from Bob's buddy Austin. I would like to say first. I would like to say that most first responders are in shape, but that is not the case. And the applicants and younger recruits we can, that we get come from a variety of backgrounds and varying levels of fitness. If you were going to design a fitness test with those thoughts in mind, what might it look like? And what would versions of it look like if you had no equipment, some equipment, a lot of equipment, and then the devil's advocate Say you did have a bunch of studs that were in shape and cared about fitness, like let's say a specialty <laughs> unit. Uh, what might that test look like? Mm. So what a fun, just, you know, do whatever you want question. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe we should lay some groundwork, a little bit of context here. Um, and this is something that you're probably a little closer to than I am. But, you know, I have definitely rubbed enough shoulders with enough people to understand that when we're talking military, law enforcement, first responders, you know, oftentimes... There are baseline fitness tests that people in these lines of work have to do on a semi-regular basis. Sometimes that's annual, sometimes that's part of their initial training, et cetera. Um, and I think there's a fair critique that most of the time, it seems like a lot of those tests are pretty arbitrary. They're not mm -hmm. necessarily going to be, be the, uh, the things or the physical attributes that you would expect somebody to have that is going to excel at the job. They seem a little bit more arbitrary than that. Is, that. is that a fair read in your experience? Yes. Some of them have just been around forever and haven't changed or kept up with the times or evolved as strength and conditioning and the knowledge of those activities has evolved or finding out the difference between training versus testing. And yeah, yeah. some of them have just, hey, that's the, that's the way we've always done it. And that's the way we're going to keep doing it. And you know, some of them are, are okay, but there's a lot of room for improvement, to my humble opinion. And some military forces are starting to do that, and some, depending upon the autonomy that some police or fire departments have to change their own regimes, you can make some good policy decisions there. But on in general, I think you're on the right track. When I read Austin's question, I thought it could go in a couple of different ways, and there's because they both have different outcomes. So when I think of a fitness test for a first responder, a military or whatnot, it could be a couple things. It could be, are we talking about the physical fitness test just to screen them to make sure they have the absolute bare minimum capacity to enter the fire academy and survive, mm -hmm. to enter the police academy and survive? That's one thing. Then there could be another test upon graduation from said academy to say, did you are you meeting what we now consider not just a bare bones recruit, but do you have a level of capacity that we now see as at least the bare minimum to join the force, do this job for real, have your life on the line or have somebody else's life in your hands? That might be a different standard. And then yet even a third standard could be what you're saying is, hey, now you're in the force. This is your full time gig. Once a year, you have to take this test to make sure that you haven't slipped. So all of those are interrelated, but they could be a little bit different. And if you think about it in your head, it would make sense that the least rigorous would most likely be the, 
hey, do you have, like, you have to have a pulse to show up for training. <laughs> yeah, above and beyond that, we want to make sure that you can do A, B, and C because the next eight weeks is going to be maybe a little bit of an abrupt lifestyle change for you. But generally speaking, the entry level to get into an academy is probably going to be one of the lowest of those three things that I just mentioned there. So it, it would all just depend upon which of those three your buddy Austin was talking about. But I think what will be good about this conversation is that I'm going I'm to at least chat about some general concepts that mm. you could apply to any one of those phases. And you just might have to swing the, the number of reps you would want somebody to get, the time you'd want somebody to do that, et cetera, et cetera. But the general concepts will apply. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And I guess, you know, I haven't, not, not being in any of those worlds directly, uh, those three categories that you just outlined, like as soon as you identify them, it's like, oh yeah, of course, that's so obvious that you'd want maybe a different thing for each one of those considerations. Um, kind of piqued my interest just a little bit when you're talking about the entry level kind of bare minimum. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess just the approach to that is how much of that do you think would be a trying to screen to make sure that somebody can withstand the rigors of what's about to be their daily life and and hopefully what will be progressing them towards a greater state of fitness throughout that time frame um and how much of it is just a signal that says hey look it doesn't really matter how well you do on this intake test but it should be a strong signal to you that there's going to be a physical component hopefully you knew about that and if you didn't now you do <laughs> Yeah, to a degree, we, we could go down a different rabbit hole with that. You're right, yeah. because, you know, just thinking back um, now into the way back machine, I mean, I go back into the way back machine, um, you know, myself and, you know, our friend in common, Mr. David Castro, you know, he and I went through BUDS, which is SEAL school, as shocking as it is back in 1997. Uh, that's when I met that gentleman. Wow. But if you look at the um, I did a little research today because this popped into my head. There is a bare minimum. There's a, a physical fitness test you have to take if that's the training that you want to go to. And I look back at what the, the minimums were. And if you want to show up to SEAL school, the minimums are you have to do a 500-yard swim in 12 minutes and 30 seconds or less. You have to do side strokes. It's not as fast as freestyle, but 500 yards in 12, 30 or less. By the way, that is not fast. <laughs> and you have to do 42 push-ups in two minutes. Okay. Pretty attainable. Fit, very obtainable. Yeah. 50 sit-ups in two minutes. Same. Pretty attainable, attainable for most people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember whether it's either six or eight strict pull-ups. Okay. Very obtainable. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. And a 1.5-mile run in long pants and boots. And I want to say that's... I want to say the cutoff for that is like 11 minutes. That's the holding a 730 mile. Okay. Okay. That, and if you can meet those standards, you did not fail the entrance exam and you at least your, your mark went into the check of you have what is assessed to be the bare minimum capacity to show up to buds. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the general saying would be that if you're asking what the minimums are, you're already in trouble. I mean, you should be looking to crush those things and do much better <laughs> than that. This is just yeah. the, the bare minimums we had to say. And so, but point being, that's just to get in. I mean, by the by the time you get through it, the, the graduation times are far more arduous. That, that, sure. You know, I can only remember the run, but at the end of it, you know, the four mile, now that was a 1.5 mile for the entrance, but like you have to do a four mile timed run 
on beach sand in 30 minutes or less. So it's still holding that mm. same 730 pace, but now it's gone to mm -hmm. four miles. Now you're on beach sand, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a big difference than being on a hard track, you know, on a beautiful day, not tired and doing it. So I would say there's your entrance exams, there's your graduation exams, and then there's your recurring annual test to do that as well. But the other thing which you touched on, which is interesting is, this is what's interesting about entrance exams, because to some degree, yes, you have to have a bare minimum physical capacity because your body's sure. gonna get stressed. But there are plenty of people who just surprise you that they crush the physical fitness test, but they are weak between the ears and they are not there on graduation day, whether it's the mm. fire academy, the police academy, the whatever. And then it's so-and-so that was utterly and completely unremarkable on the physical fitness test on the entrance exam. And there they are on graduation day because they're hard as a rock between the ears. They're adaptable. They don't get stressed out. They don't get flustered. They wanted to be there. They were willing to die to graduate. And there they are. And so there's a whole lot of other factors that we can't pre-screen for that well. And that leaves us with this rough and tumble physical fitness test. We're going to try to shake out here for your buddy, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a lot there. Well, so maybe if we start thinking pragmatically around what it would be to represent the physical demands of somebody who wants to be in this, this line of service, you know, we start looking at it through that lens. I think that's probably a good place to start. And so, you know, CrossFit obviously is really big on this idea of training for what is unknown and unknowable. So you show up somewhere, there's a situation unfolding, you don't know how long it's going to last, you don't know how, how hard you're going to be asked to work. Um, you don't know if that's going to be a sprint pace or a casual kind of uh, pace that you'll be able to hold for a sustained amount of time. Uh, you don't know if you're going to have breaks or recovery periods. And none of that should matter insofar as you've done enough things across enough different domains that you're okay. You're not going to get rattled by that. So that's the ideal state. Now, obviously, when you're talking about a test that is hopefully going to be indicative of somebody's ability to do the job, mm -hmm. you have to start narrowing down the parameters and you can't get into this mindset of, well, it's got to be everything because it just you just can't replicate that test in any meaningful Correct. way. So that's the challenge. And then within that, people start to get really good at that test. And then the question becomes, am I good at the test or am I fit for the position? And that's a big question as well. So that line of thinking is what I was kind of rolling around in my head before we got on for this conversation. And that led me to believe that I think a hybrid approach would be really cool if somebody was willing to implement it. And so what I mean by that is you have your known elements you know there's probably going to be a run component because in, you know, I can imagine that in police work, the ability to run like all humans, that's going to be pretty, pretty important. Useful. <laughs> yeah, pretty important. And you're going to want to know that those people are able to run in some capacity. And, and you're probably going to need some sort of short distance and some sort of long distance represented with that, that exercise. Um, I think I'd like to see some sort of mixed mode, intense aspect that's also a counterpoint to that straight up running. So some sort of classic CrossFit gymnastics and weightlifting combination uh, to show some skill, to show some intensity. I think that would be great. And then if I had to limit it to three, my third choice would be what I call the pool. And I don't mean a swimming pool, but what I mean is that you would have... 
Correct. You would have <laughs> you would have you know a selection of activities that fit well with the mixed mode and the run components as standalones, and there could be either a rotation system or a randomization system that within these you know five to ten different things that could pop out, that's the one you're going to be tested on to maintain some of that mentality that like hey. I can't just train to be good at the test because there is an X factor. It's a controlled X factor, mm -hmm. but it could be any number of these things. And my training has to reflect the fact that I might be called to task on something that isn't just a known, you know, two months, three months out. So that's the way I would start structuring a big picture. Running seems like a non-negotiable, some sort of mixed gymnastics, weightlifting skill focused with a little bit more intensity and then the wild card. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the basis of where I would start. I have never met your friend Austin. And so I don't want to start off on a bad foot by disappointing him, <laughs> but Austin, I'm here to tell you, my friend, I'm not going to give you a test today. Um, mm. I'm going to give you some ideas and some, and some potential events that could be mixed around. And I'm not trying to get out of the question. I actually love the question, but the truth is, to really give like a test that I would feel like I want to put my name on this would be about 40 hours of work for me to figure this mm. thing out and talk to you like you actually, you know, get a bunch of competent people who are doing your job yeah. and then really understand what are the true demands of your job and, and, is, and is it different for each unit? You know, if it's mm -hmm. canine versus SWAT versus patrol versus whatever it happens to be. Do you wear gear? How much is the body armor? Do you have gas masks on? Do you have to worry about what we'd call in the military like down man drills, you know, uh, carrying an injured teammate, uh, men or women, civilians? Do you have sprints from cover to cover? Historically speaking, from a bunch of people that know the job, what's your average time on target that you're out there doing something? What's the loading, flights of stairs, forced entry, swinging objects? Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Now, all of those things are are generally covered by movements that have you picking things up from the ground and going below parallel and exerting intensity and locomoting your body. Like that's the wonderful thing about functional movements in CrossFit is we get that spread. But if you want to have like what I would want to put a stamp on as like the most beautiful test that I could come up with, we'd do this data, we'd do this research, and then we'd, we'd to the best of our ability, try to, you know, if you tell me that based upon the last 10 years of of uh, documented encounters in the records of your police station that nothing has lasted over three minutes, we're not going to put a 5K in there. You know, like, yeah. so there's just some things that would mm -hmm. be useful. But without, so I would do that with your friends, see if anything leaps out at you. I have an idea as to what it would shake out at, but see if anything leaps out at you. But then, depending upon what your department would let you get away with, I agree <laughs> with you, like, mixed modality is wonderful. Like, if you can get you know, historically speaking, that's not how a lot of police and fire and, and military tests are. It's single modality with arrest, followed by single modality yeah. with arrest, et cetera, et cetera. So you're probably going to have some of those. I'd love to get some mixed modality in there 100%. And I think that maybe there are some things that you and your buddies could roll around as just general ideas without me going too far down this rabbit hole to consider. And maybe they will springboard you and your crew into better ideas. But I wanted to give things that were ideally measurable you know, observable, repeatable, and relatively straightforward for like hmm. judging and trying to be fair and all that stuff. You know, to, to throw back to what we did at the beginning of the show with my old entrance exam, 
it is tough to beat a strict pull-up. I mean, maybe just call me an old-timey uh, person. Oh, I'm and, with you. Uh, a strict pull-up is just a great upper body test. So that, you know, that might, as tried and true it is, that might make an appearance. I'm with you as far as locomoting the body. Short and long would be nice. You know, that 1.5 mile run that I, I mentioned previously, that's not so long as to be out of the reach for most people. But depending upon the times that you're going to assign as 100 points, 90 points, 80 points, you can make it a fire breathing event to score well on that. And, and Absolutely. now if you score really well on a 1.5 mile run, I'm here to tell you, depending upon the scoring, you can do a 5K or a 10K, you know, if you're crushing that. Or I can tell you where you're going to struggle. A sprint would be cool. Uh, you know, as beautiful as a 100-meter sprint is, if you get a bunch of new recruits, you're going to have, <laughs> you know, 99 out of 100 hamstrings rolled up in the back of their legs. So that's, so I would, the sprint might be something where you can't get up to a crazy amount of acceleration, but it is short enough to be different than, the 1.5 mile run. So maybe it's a 300 meter shuttle that I think some people do where, you know, 75 out, 75 back, 75 out, 75 back, mm. something, you know, ish where you can't be slow to do well and you get acceleration, deceleration, pivoting. So, you know, and there's a whole lot of other things you could do with that, but, you know, I would consider something like that. Um, but then I think there's some cool grunt work that you could disguise mm. a mixed modality workout into your superiors that maybe they wouldn't mm -hmm. know you're, you're sneaking a mixed modality workout in. And it would be, quote unquote, stuff that you could justify as to why it is. So, for example, if you had like a four foot high wall, which is, you know, it's not a five foot, it's not a three foot. It's just high enough that you have to give some oomph to get over it. It's obnoxious, but most people can get over it. And then you have yourself like a sandbag. And I don't know what the weight should mm. be. I don't know if it should be 100. I don't know if it should be 70 or 50. You, you play with that. And then you have a five-minute running clock. And what you're going to do is how many times you have to pick up the sandbag, throw it over the wall. Then you get over the wall. You do a burpee. You pick up the sandbag. You throw it over the wall. You get over the wall. Five minutes is a really long time to do that. It's going to be. And you're not going to do well on that. Unless you're strong, you're not going to do well unless you have lungs. You're not going to do well unless you're conditioned. So, and that's a, a workout. That's well, like a, a weightlifting and, and, also, and body weight workout hidden in there. Yeah, I'll also add that in an effort like that, although it, it does on its face, it's a lot of grunt work, you know, absolutely efficiency matters. Oh, yeah. If you, if you can move your body well, you can potentially outpace the grunt, so to speak, that can just hoist that bag over the wall. So Amen. there's a, a big component in that that's kind of sneaky as far as how well you can execute, even though on its face, it's pretty simple and doesn't appear to be particularly technical. So I, I love that. That's That, I think, is uh, as a specific test. Man, that's got a ton of utility, in my opinion. You need a wall, planet Earth, and a yep. sandbag, you know, and, yep. and it's measurable, observable, repeatable. Um, you know, I'd love to get some sort of a a lifting in there, but then that almost becomes wonky. And you're going to have a bunch, a bunch of people like pull a one rep max deadlift. That doesn't sound like a good mm -hmm. idea, even though it's amazing. You know, you're going to have a bunch of people that have never squatted, like do a one rep. That doesn't sound smart either. So me pipe dreaming is to be great to do something that's like a push, like a heavy push, be it a prowler or a sled or something. Now I know then you have yep. to come into is everyone's level of friction with the ground the same or whatever it is, but like a heavy push you're not going to execute that well without a good 
strength and conditioning background, given the loading and the distance, if it was very heavy for a short distance, and then maybe just to be mean, maybe just to be mean and for the entertainment of the crowd, you did it the other way. So there was a heavy, like a 50-foot sled push with a weight that had your eyeballs popping out of your head. And then the other one is, you know what? Take all of the weight off the sled, and now you're going to do that same 300-meter shuttle, but pushing an empty sled. <laughs> That's <laughs> disgusting and horrible and, yeah. and, and wildly different. So there's things that you could do. I mean, if you had a sandbag, you know, and you wanted to test them below parallel strength, but it didn't look like a back squat, whatever the sandbag weighed, 40, 60 pounds, if somebody has it over their shoulder, you could maybe sneak in another mixed modality thing where it's a, maybe it's a shuttle run, you pick up the sandbag, it's some walking lunges, so you're getting this like single leg below parallel strength while loaded, while out of breath. You throw the sandbag down, you hit the pull-up bar. You do a few rounds of that. That's a, a run, sandbag lunge, and pull-up. Not a lot of gear needed. Most places already have a pull-up bar if they're like a first responder kind of a place. Mm -hmm. It's a workout that your superiors might not know you've just made a CrossFit workout, go into it or something like that. So I think with a little with a little creativity, with, with trying to think about how the human body moves under real-life situations, the gear that you have available, I think you could put together a pretty darn good test. And I know that that's rough and it's unpolished and, and, and a whole lot more details needed, but hopefully it just sparks some conversations or thoughts in his head. Yeah, I think that's the right way to do it. I completely agree that I think um, that's the challenge when you're coming up with any set of programming or any sort of self-contained um, competition style programming, it's always going to be uh, simple when it's finished. It's going to sure. look like, oh, okay, well, of course, it's self-evident. But the time it took to kind of whittle away to why those choices were the best choices, it, it takes a lot of going back and forth. And it is a lot of creative work for that reason. So I think that's actually a really great response. Um, and again, it's like, hey, you know, it's one thing to just be handed a test and say, hey, go execute it. It's another to say, go through the thought experiment and and make those decisions and have to come to terms with like, well, I really like this thing, but it doesn't fit with this other thing. So which one do I prioritize uh, if I can't do them both? I think that's very valuable and not only just for the test itself, but I think it can really inform your, your path forward if you're coaching people or if you're coming up with a program for them for the long mm -hmm. term as well. So yeah, I like that a lot. Um, one other thing that I would say too is if we go back to this concept of like, hey, there's going to be known elements, you know that there's going to be certain things that the job is going to require. I think that also extends to some skills. Now I'm not talking about like the most technical skill that you have to do, um, but I do think there is utility. If you know that there's going to be a skill that could be critical, uh, testing that under duress in a way that makes sense, I think mm -hmm. is also something to experiment with. So, okay, you have something, um, maybe it's not the most rigorous physical demand, but it's difficult. Uh, and yeah, that has to be completed. And then a task associated with the job needs to follow and it has to be performed to a certain standard under uh, a stress state. I think there's a ton of utility for stuff like that. I 100%. also think you can... I also think you can fall off the deep end and get a little bit too far <laughs> sure. uh, down the rabbit hole. So you have to, you have to, you know, make good choices there. But that I think would be the icing on the cake, especially if you're talking about people that are motivated 
and they're they're kind of holding themselves to a higher standard. Like you said, his kind of final group there. You've mm-hmm. got a group of people that like they're in it. They're maybe they're a little bit competitive if we're reading between the lines. They're, they're taking extra steps already in their kind of you know personal approach to things, especially for a group like that. I think that you can you can start to play with elements there where it's like, okay, cool. Not only is there the physical component, but you have to be skilled at executing these things that you will be called to do in the day-to-day of the job. And then you could even play with it if you wanted to a bit more. Whereas, so let's let's take this example. You could use something like I said previously as your annual test for people, let's say, or graduation test. And then the fire breathers just, they're getting closer to scoring 100 points in the 1.5 mile run. They're getting more reps of that burpee sandbag mm-hmm. thing. Like they wouldn't need necessarily different tests. Their scores will speak for themselves. They're getting... 18 strict pull-ups compared to getting seven strict pull-ups like it's going to shake out you know if yeah if you've got um, mm-hmm. the test lined up and then another thing that you could play with and you're obviously well aware of this is let's say that you settled on the test three five two whatever it was well then another element that you have is the order in which you lay those tests out will dictate a bit as well and then not only the order but the rest periods that you set between each will also have uh, mm-hmm. a big deal as to what's happening. And you can turn several short things actually into an endurance test if you limit the rest. So there's a whole bunch of different variables that you can play with once you figure out the demands of your job, what makes sense. We're not going off the deep end. These are actually meaningful metrics to assess somebody's competency in this critical job. And then you lay out the test and then you can lay out the timing, lay out the um, the order in which they'll, they'll happen, lay out the scoring system. And and inevitably, you'll have to play with it a bit. You will not get it first. You will not get it right the first time or potentially the seventh time. But just continue to be open-minded, track your data, you know, expose it to a wide group of people and establish some good metrics for it. And I think you're on, on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of final thoughts for me is, you know, you jogged my my thinking there around scoring. You know, um, there's lots of different ways to weight You ever thought about scoring? scoring? Uh, a little bit, yeah, here and there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, kind of the the two directions that you could go for a test like this, uh, depending on what you want to highlight, is a minimum threshold for each element, um, which I think would have the benefit of saying, okay, I can't have a really excellent score on one thing save me from a clear deficiency somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if we're talking pure CrossFit, that's a very important factor that may be less important depending on what the demands of the job are. Um, but if it's in the test, you know, it stands to reason it's probably pretty important. So you're going to have to experiment with the minimum threshold there. What is it that I care about that it's like, okay, I have somebody who excels somewhere. They're so good there, but they're, they're clearly lacking somewhere else. At what point can we say, hey, your strengths cannot save you? So that's an important consideration to start thinking about. And then uh, to kind of circle back around to something you said about strength testing, I I don't think that uh, strength testing in a one rep max type approach is appropriate for Mm -hmm. many athletes outside of powerlifters, weightlifters, and strongmen and competitive CrossFitters. You know, the one rep max arguably isn't that important in a lot of other domains. However, you got to be strong enough. And so I do think it's appropriate to find some weightlifting movement at a load that is maybe not stopping people in their tracks, but Mm -hmm. causes them to have to think about it. And there could be a rep 
associated with that that's pass fail excellent maybe not so good etc and, and you know one that comes to mind easily is like a deadlift you know you have a deadlift at a weight that maybe it's not uh turning any heads in a powerlifting meet but let's just say it's a it's a 275 or a 315 nothing insane but certainly something that the average person without a lot of weightlifting experience is going to look at and say wow okay that's that's significant and it's just done for reps in a certain time period um, you know, that something like that can offer you a pretty good bridge into a strength effort without having to fall into this max effort men- mentality. Agreed. And, uh, you know, not that that's where your uh, mind was going, but I bet, I, I bet Austin would be like, man, you'd be shocked at how many people wouldn't get that 275 bar off the oh, ground. Yeah, that might be the case. You know, it's funny in my mind, it's, uh, I think back to, you know, just a 225 deadlift and how, you know, even today, I believe that for the average person that doesn't have a lot of weightlifting experience, like that's a significant effort to be able to do that. And, and the prospect of getting double digits on something like that is, is it's going to seem impossible to a lot of people that don't have mm-hmm. experience there. So, yep, for sure. Well, I hope this was of some value and utility to your buddy. I guess you'll find out. <laughs> straight straight from the horse's mouth and and if he has some not that i need to give myself more work to do but like if he does have some influence in crafting uh a test and he's got some pull to make it happen let us know it'd be, that'd be you yeah, know and, and be fun. pretty fun and, and an honor quite frankly to help out a community mm-hmm. like that but awesome appreciate your question brother appreciate your service keep it up yeah, keep sending in the questions. We absolutely love these. It's better than Boz and I just chatting about the nonsense that's in our mind. We'd like to hear from all of you <laughs> as to what's on your mind. This is your show, and we appreciate the support. So go to the BTWB YouTube channel, find the show, post your thoughts and comments. I'm sure there's plenty of first responders and militaries who watch or listen. What's going on with your entry test, your annual test? Do you like it? Where does it fall short? If you just had your wish list to do whatever, what would you do? We'd love to hear it because you all are the ones actually out there in the trenches. If you want to help support the show, go down to the show notes under this episode on the BTWB YouTube channel. Check out the VNR cycles, all kinds of cool stuff for body weight, barbell, get your first pull up, all kinds of cool stuff. And for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.